0: Bigger than, than capes. capes.
1: Give
0: me some silence. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I was to, and then I watched it. Oh, 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 oh right, we're Zach and Angela again, as we we are are regularly at the moment. Yeah, um, in a break from our usual programming, we're doing a Marvel thing.
1: We are the indie comics title of this podcast is questionable at the point that we're discussing this, <laughs> but never mind. Yeah,
0: um, the intention was to try and find some like Halloween e. Uh, comic book media to discuss films, TV shows, yeah. uh whatever else, YouTube shows. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Um, <laughs> well no.
0: Not that Valiant. Long, but, yeah. <laughs> um web series, maybe more than YouTube shows. Yeah. Uh instead we caved and we settled for the first thing <laughs> uh the the first the newest thing and the the first thing we came across i think this is whilst not indie it's it's definitely a marvel thing i feel like it's far so far from center with marvel that.
1: yes i would it's 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 marvel doing indie is is it's You know, it's not like the hell not. Like you said, it's so far removed from the normal Marvel MCU ness that yeah. it is pretty much its own thing, and therefore, and barely based on comics. <laughs> um, it's more based on it's a love letter to horror films. So, I think we are justified in our
0: yes. choice. And who's going to stop us?
1: Well. Major
0: question. Um so Angela, would you like to introduce
1: Yeah? So we are discussing Werewolf by Night, which is um currently streaming on Disney Plus, as it has been since the 7th of October. It's the first Marvel Studio special presentation. Ooh. <laughs> um so it's yeah it's apparently sharing continuity but if you can find that continuity please let me know um so yes it is marvel studios it is um very loosely based there is a comic called werewolf by night do not read the wikipedia article you'll be there for a thousand years um it is storied by heather quinn (laughs) and the teleplay was by heather quinn and Peter Cameron. I'm lost because there was no letter in here, so I'm kind of making this up. It was directed and composed by Michael Giacchino, who is well-known for various things. Um, it stars Gael Garcia Bernal as Jack Russell slash Werewolf by Night, um, uh, Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone, and Harriet Sansom paris And I can't remember her name right now, but she's in it. Verissa. Um, Thank you. <laughs>
0: I knew roofs. writing that down was going to pay off eventually.
1: Yeah. Um, so basically, Ulysses Bloodstone is an infamous monster hunter who has recently passed away. And um, it's who gets the Bloodstone. So the Bloodstone is this marvellous, magical artefact. And so five monster hunters, including Jack Russell, um <laughs> are summoned to Bloodstone Manor and they will compete against each other and against a monster in order to secure the Bloodstone. Elsa is Ulysses' estranged daughter, who by birthright should have the Bloodstone. But for various reasons, mostly Verusa, um, she has to compete along with all these monster hunters. And so there's a large maze in the grounds of the manor and they are sent forth and things ensue. Um, it is listed as an action-adventure fantasy-horror superhero. So make oh, it that what you will. Know. <laughs> I know, right? It's like all the genres. Um, so, yes, it, it's quite short. It's only about, it's about an hour, uh, if that. And, yes, it is a very good thing, um, having watched it. And I also have to mention the additional Monster Hunter's I should mention those. Kirk R. Thatcher is Joven. And for those of you who don't know who Kirk R. Thatcher is, um, he was a (laughs) production... Yes. Where have you been? He is infamously the punk on the bus in Star Trek IV. Um, Eugenie Boderant is Azariel. Leonardo Nam is Leon. And Daniel J. Watts as Barrasso. Um, There are other people as well, including Man-Thing, but we'll get on to that. Um, so yeah, that's a very brief, long summary of Werewolf by Night, creatively.
0: Yeah, I I think you've pretty much nailed it. Um, in in the genres listed, I would argue that superhero is a push.
1: <laughs> um, I would I would discount superhero, and what the character Jack Russell Werewolf by Night has a marvel comic or had a marvel comic it's complicated um but he's not a superhero per se
0: no i i think
1: and he's not a, in this
0: <laughs> no there's there's kind of a eagerness to brand everything mcu as a superhero thing and yeah very much not this no um, um
1: i would agree with the fantasy horror action adventure
0: yeah, I think all of those things definitely come into play. This is... You said earlier about it being kind of a love letter to horror films. I think this is very, like, universal horror. Um, yeah. Aesthetically, it feels very kind of in keeping with those early 1900s, you know, Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. <laughs> kind oh, of.
1: The, the mummy.
0: Yeah, that kind of black and white, minimal locations, but they've done really well with the minimal locations to make Mm. them look way bigger than they are. Um, This is all in black and white, which is a really interesting choice, but I think it works and adds to that aesthetic. They even go as far as to kind of make the i was gonna say tape but it's obviously not tape make the the,
1: the digital files look like they is film with things yeah
0: so there's like graininess to it and at one point about halfway through you get the like cigarette burn in the top corner yeah. um which is a really good detail and i'm realizing that people younger than us might have no recollection of that being a thing when you went to the cinema
1: Possibly not, because it, they don't use film now. I'm told it's digital projection.
0: Yeah, so I guess those little cigarette burns they, in the top corner just aren't there. I mean, they,
1: they don't have it now. Like, you know, when there would be a problem and the reel would freeze and some poor sod had to try and fix it and people are getting antsy. Yeah. You're missing out, kids.
0: It's all part of the fun, you know. You were along yeah. for this quite strange ride. Um but I think things like that really do contribute to selling this as a kind of old-school horror-style presentation. Um, even – and, there, yeah, there will be spoilers – even yeah. when we get the reveal of Jack as a werewolf, it is mm. it, it probably still is CGI, but it looks more practical effects, classic wolfman than –
1: I did, I, I did some research, I and I can confirm that it is a combination of practical effects and CGI. So, poor old Garcia <laughs> Bernal, um, apparently did not enjoy the Wolfman makeup. Shopping, Four hours in really. the makeup chair, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, but yeah, so even though it is enhanced with CGI, they have tried, particularly with sort of the face, to do it practically like what they did in the old days.
0: Which, that's quite cool, I think, to commit to the aesthetic so much that he doesn't look the way we're used to, like, modern-day werewolves Mm. appearing. Sticking to that mostly human-looking but furry is... Yeah. Kind of a good choice. It's a weird choice, but... And I, I immediately thought, like, how weird will this look if he does appear in other things?
1: <laughs> yeah. If like, he's
0: not in black and white. Yeah. If if he's surrounded by like full colour, um, entirely CGI characters and he's there with like fur glued to his face. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> every time it get cuts to him, his scene's in black and white where everything else is in color do <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't
0: don't get me wrong, I like that idea. I like i I'm, I'm up for them committing to the bit that yeah, he's like 1930s horror and everything else is His 2022. <laughs> um, I
1: feel it would work well.
0: I mean, I'm not against it, I, I think it could be fun. It kind of dumb, but I think Marvel uh getting a little bit more comfortable that they're probably not going to get to the infinity saga level again. So, I think they're no. getting a little bit more comfortable with doing things that are kind of awkward and dumb, like Multiverse of Madness was kind of goofy at times. This is pretty goofy. She-Hulk yeah. is actually a sitcom and not like, you know, a serious drama masquerading as a sitcom, which I think Marvel have struggled yeah. with tone at times. Like they do things that are really dark like the Netflix shows and then kind of try and have some comedy. And it's like, the tone's a mess guys. But this, yeah, I think they, they're hitting the weird marks a little bit, which appears to uh, appear, (laughs) which appeals to me because I'm into the really weird stuff, uh, especially. I think that's one of the things that has led us to mostly do an indie comic show is that we do read the weirder side of Marvel when we are reading Marvel.
1: Yeah. This Um, is true. It is nice to see them as well actually experimenting a little bit. Yeah. Because they they have felt like phase... Are we in phase four still? I don't even know which phase we're in anymore.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like I've really lost track of where Marvel's at in its own continuity and also... I'm not keeping up as well with the releases and, like, not not so much the releases, but the announcements of what we're going to get. So everything is a bit of a surprise right now, which is kind of fun. Which is nice. Um,
1: But, yeah, this is – I don't think this is something we would have seen five years ago. I think this is very much a Marvel who – they know what they're doing and they are willing to actually – push it out a little bit it's still under the marvel special presentations banner this has absolutely no effect on anything else in the mcu in fact the way it's shot with the black and white and all the rest of it it has a period feel to it Mm. even though this takes place in the modern day yes you know somewhere i don't know somewhere captain marvel's off doing something but Still, it's taking. It, it does have that sort of older feel, so it is a bit more. It does feel more removed from all that, and it's the better for it because they can really dig into it. Because hmm. I just don't think you're going to have a wind up animated corpse in anything <laughs> else right now. I loved that. That was just that was just beautiful.
0: The like butler character having nothing to do in this except wind up a corpse. <laughs> to do yeah, weird like mechanical toy movements was incredible. I, um, I think that's the thing, the, the kind of gathering scene at the beginning where they're all given their brief and told like, Hey, we're going to chuck you in a garden to hunt for this monster. Find the monster, get yourself a bloodstone. Congrats. I guess we, we change yeah. your last name and now you're going to be Joven bloodstone. Um, yeah <laughs> nice uh one of my only disappointments is I would have liked a little bit more info on the different mem- on the different hunters
1: yeah there's there's a reason that I forgot they were there um there's a reason that sort of the cast list is sort of everything you'll see will emphasize those three actors
0: because
1: mm. the three characters that do the most are Jack, Elsa, and Verusa. It's kind of their show. And the other ones are a little bit, you know, that they come in. I mean, some of them don't even really get a line, let's be honest. Yes. Um, So that is a shame from that point of view. And it does feel like it would have been interesting to kind of spread it out a bit and make it a bit longer. I mean, you could push 90 minutes, guys. And maybe that would have allowed you, I mean, you get a bit on Joven. He's probably the most well-realised of them. Um, yes. Because he chats to Jack, but that's the reason we know about him is because he's had a chat to Jack, and Jack is our main character or one of our main characters, and therefore, you know, if you chat to Jack, you're gonna get some screen time. Um, yeah. Whereas the others are dispatched without barely saying a word, which is a shame because they all seem because they've all got their own little different goofy ways of slaying monsters,
0: like the weird little arm-mounted crossbow. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, and, or, you know, giant fucking axe, which is... Big fan of the giant thing. axe. Kind of weirdly round, like almost a teardrop-shaped axe.
1: Yeah. But yeah. I'm
0: into it. Um, no, I, I agree. Um, I, what, was that my point? Am I agreeing with myself? Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think it would have been nice to get a little bit more time. I understand that if you wanted to keep this to less than an hour yeah okay maybe you can't give everyone the big intro which is okay i don't i don't think it takes anything from it i think i I was just curious enough to know more which is ultimately a good thing um especially if marvel and disney try and continue down this route of supernatural one-shot type things which i would be into i yeah uh, I don't know if it's been on this podcast or a previous podcast. I've talked quite a lot about really being into Supernatural Marvel. Um, though It was kind of what got me into Marvel as a kid was Morbius being... Ca- Morbius and Ghost Rider and Blade and people who kind of appeared in Marvel cartoons every now and again. Yeah all got me interested enough in, like, what that meant. And then I t- tried and failed to track down, like, <laughs> Midnight Suns in singles, because there's no trade of Midnight Suns.
1: <laughs> Why, Marvel? Why?
0: Um, but then, yeah, that that kind of leads to stuff like uh, Werewolf finite weird cameos here, there and everywhere, and Elsa Bloodstone, and man thing who is somehow terrifying in this yeah i'm fucking adorable and I, I
1: know and i
0: don't know how you balance that um yeah really, ted. really yeah really into ted cool. really into man thing he's kind of perfect in this i i've kind of always seen him as like dc play swamp thing quite straight as like He's a superhero sometimes. He's also a guardian of the green. He's also, you know, uh, just, you know, a real bastard where he needs to be. And Man-Thing's always played as like, just look at this guy. He's, he's like yeah. a tree dude. I, I feel like Marvel, even when they try and make Man-Thing scary in the comics, they're a little bit like, mm. yeah, but he's only scary if you're afraid of him. And if you're afraid of him, you've probably done something to deserve being burnt to death. <laughs> Which
1: is true in this particularly because, yeah, I mean, I really like the way that we're sort of introduced to him in the maze and he sort of grabs Jack and then Jack's like, Oh, hi. <laughs> and it's like, it's this really sweet little scene, and you know, mm. of the two of them. And it's like, Oh, bless, poor thing. Yeah, He's got bloodstone on him. Someone so <laughs> take it off.
0: It, it's really well done. And I think even when they say, like, uh, we're going to attach the bloodstone to the monster and it'll weaken the monster, but it'll also, you know, really piss the monster off. And then, well, I don't think we see pissed off Man-Thing in this. I think he's still...
1: No, he just wants to get out of there. That's his sole purpose pur- 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 Pu- Hi- pur- <laughs> p- in New York. Um, That's all he wants, is he just wants to be left alone and do his, you know, live in the woods happily with his with his friend. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing bad about him, and it's like I'm intrigued. Just to did you just go for him because I don't know you offered him candy, and he was, he was yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll have some of that. Although at the same time, he is threat. He just kill people. He can burn yeah. people to death. That's his thing, and he does it. But at the same time, you're like, oh, he's so sweet though. He's so sweet, and he just doesn't. He's not actively seeking out the hunters to go and kill them. He's mm. mostly hiding and running away. So clearly he does not want to be involved. Yeah. He just wants to get out of there. And who can blame him?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's, re- it's really well balanced to see the kind of... We still see the scary side of man thing alongside the kind of cute, nice guy man thing which is a really cool balance to strike between those two things to kind of establish that he is a threat, but he's also not a bad guy slash plant monster. Yeah. Um, The interesting, I kind of expected that the teases of man thing we'd been given previously in the MCU were kind of all he would amount to. Like he, um, when we see the Grandmaster's tower on Sakar in Ragnarok, he's one of the faces on the side, and I think he gets name-checked in Agents of Shield when they're like running through a roster of stuff that yeah, you know, early Agents of Shield where they were like name-dropping loads yeah, of stuff. I had no here's idea. Here's a
1: reference. Here's a reference for your fans. Look yeah. this up later on the wiki.
0: Um, so I kind of thought those things it would kind of always be a. Hey, man thing, am I right? But it's interesting to now see him somewhat present in the MCU. I don't know if we're going to start rolling out a Midnight Sun show quite yet. <laughs> uh, it
1: might be on the cards. There might be. I mean, it might just be special presentations, but...
0: I mean, I-, I could easily see next Halloween us getting like a Legion of Monsters type thing or... I don't know, yeah, maybe Midnight Sun. something that brings together different horror characters. If you, especially if you can pepper them throughout the MCU it was shows. I mean, we, don't get me wrong, we've already got Wong doing things in She-Hulk, and we've got Stephen Strange is still present. We've got other supernatural characters, and we've kind of name dropped and referenced. Weird and wonderful thing as I'm told there was a Morbius film that
1: I've heard this. <laughs> I've heard there was a film. And and then it 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 was very popular on Twitter. And then it was a film again in cinemas. And I think Sony <laughs> regret all their choices regarding that.
0: I part of me wants to part of me needs to know, but another part the Morbius fan in me needs to know. The sensible human in me knows I'm going to regret watching it when I do. Um, but I don't know. I didn't hate Venom and everyone else did. And who knows? Maybe I can tolerate this.
1: Yeah, but Venom's popular now. It's swung the other True, way now. it's come
0: back round, yeah.
1: It's come back round. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that Venom. And it's like, hmm, yeah, jumping on that bandwagon, are you?
0: <laughs> um, we've also got a Blade show coming, Right. Like a blade uh, film, blade.
1: Apparently, does blade something. I mean, at this rate, it will be next Halloween before we get that.
0: I, I th- I'm not qualified to comment on blade at the moment because I really don't know where it's up to. No, I liked the previous blades, so I I'm optimistic that when there is a blade, I'm probably going to be into it. You, but... You'll
1: like the blade, yeah. <laughs> I
0: just keep saying blade.
1: Blade.
0: Um but I, I don't know, I, I think in, this is a solid introduction to Elsa Bloodstone, Jack Russell, and
1: yeah.
0: uh Ted Man <laughs> Um
1: I would watch a show with the three of them. Not gonna lie. If you yeah. wanna give me like a limited six episode run, Disney Plus, I'm down with that.
0: Yeah, if we were to I, I think. There's arguably as much Elsa in this as there is Jack.
1: I would say it's because it is as much her story as his.
0: In in a way,
1: it's more her story because she has the whole estranged daughter birthright, Mm. you know. And in a way, like, particularly in that last bit where Jack's full-on werewolfing, um, she's the human point of view character. And there is this realisation that you know, spoilers, she talks him down when he's a werewolf and it's almost like, okay, so what makes a monster? And she's seen it as well with Ted and Man Thing and she's like she's then had that revelation of what is a monster? Are oh, in fact the monsters all these dead bodies lying about my house that I've asked the butler to clean up because that's his job. <laughs> now he's pledged his allegiance to yeah. me. It does feel like, in a way, it's, it's her story. It is called Werewolf by Night and Jack's in it, and werewolfing, and he is often sort of involved in events, and obviously he's key to the whole thing, but at the same time, it's more about Elsa's journey, because we have, like, when they're in the maze, Jack's basically trying to avoid everybody else, to the point where he's just like to Elsa, just walk past each other then, we'll just, we'll just walk past <laughs> each other, it's fine. Um, but the main first action scenes are Elsa.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: kicking ass and doing things. And then when they're both trapped in the mausoleum crypt, it's Elsa who gets them out.
0: Mm. So in a
1: way, Jack is just along for the ride. Jack is just a way, you know, she's an is al- an ally for Elsa. And she's learning things about monsters and all of that and coming to terms with her own legacy. So I would argue, in a way, she's the main character over Jack.
0: I, I completely agree. There was a point, probably like, 15, 20 minutes in, where I was legitimately was like, oh right, yeah, this this is a werewolf show. This is yeah, because I think Elsa becomes the focus quite early on, which I'm all for because I think she is a good character within the yes. Marvel comics, and I don't think we're ever given enough of her. I don't know if it's a uh, I know when she was created in like the early two thousands, I think that's right. Late nineties, mm-hmm. early 2000s. Uh
1: yes. Hang on. I'm just having a just having a quick Wikipedia ring. Yes.
0: She's a Dan Abner uh, character, right?
1: Yeah, Dan Abner, Andy Lanning, and artist Michael Lopez. Yeah, she was introduced two thousand one, two thousand two.
0: So I know when she was introduced, there was a lot of this character's Buffy. And I, I know there was always a Dan Abner thing of being like, I don't watch Buffy, I don't know, maybe. Uh, which is obviously the safe thing. You just protect... You even say if you, you don't. Yeah, if you have ripped off uh, Buffy, you just kind of go, ah, I never heard of her. Uh, and hope Who's that this? nobody kind of corrects you or like proves that you have stolen that concept.
1: Like they go Um, in your house and photograph your VHSs of all (laughs) all seven seasons.
0: Um, But I think over the years she has, I think over the years, maybe not Elsa specifically, but it has become clear that you can hunt monsters without being Buffy.
1: Yes, I think Buffy was a problem for a long time because that just became the archetype of female monster hunter. And it's like, Yeah. "Mm, yeah, okay then.
0: But when we get when we get stuff like man, I I keep having to do this, and and I wish I wish I didn't. When we get stuff like uh, next wave, oh next wave,
1: um,
0: I I just wish I could not mention Warren Ellis like every yeah. <laughs> every other episode at the moment. When we get stuff like next wave that shows Elsa Bloodstone like. Carrying around giant guns to mm. shoot monsters and really takes her out of the this kind of Buffy esque context. I, I think we see that she isn't really that much like Buffy unless no. she's in like small town monster hunting. Um, I also think was the was it the Secret Wars tie in where she's like fighting all the Marvel zombies. I. Or some something like along that. those. She definitely fights zombies. They might not be the Marvel zombies, but she fights zombies. She
1: fights zombies
0: of some sort. Um, and I think she stands alone as a character. I know there's a lot of people who are still really into Buffy. Maybe I'll never understand why. Maybe one day I'll I'll figure it out. But whatever. Um, and I think there is always like you know, Buffy was huge. Supernatural was huge. I think there's an opportunity yeah. to give the MCU its female monster hunter and werewolf friend who yeah. kind of follow that archetype of archetypal yeah. character at this point of, you know, badass monster hunter who's kind of, you know, wearing street clothes and a bit, a little bit down to earth whilst being yeah. rich and having a mansion. Um, <laughs>
1: Well, it's it's a juxtaposition of life choices.
0: Yeah, Elsa kind of ends this back as the you know rich girl with the mansion and the butler. Oh my god, she's Lara Croft.
1: There you go, <laughs> not Buffy, but Lara Croft. But
0: um, yeah,
1: she's she's gone through some stuff. She's gone through some shit.
0: Yeah, I I think. We're not given much of her backstory, but we are given hints as to where she's been, where she's perhaps going. She she talks about wanting to break away from her family, but then is, you know, inherits the family home and the Bloodstone yeah. at the end of this. So, you know, I guess if you don't have the family to deal with and you just get the perks, sure. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah I'll have that. I've got my butler. Yeah. I've got my, got my nice little house, I'm fine.
0: My clockwork father, you know.
1: Yeah, but it is interesting because it does feel like she's going to have to grapple then with the family legacy because of everything that's happened. Yeah, A whole bunch of people have died. Who was the real monster all along? Jack's gone off with, you know, man-thing Ted. Mm. Um you know, is she going to see him again? Because that's another thing we don't know. Because he, you know, meant to, they go around the table and they talk about all the kills they've had. And it's like, you had 52 and you had 40. and But he apparently had 100. So he's going out there killing monsters, apparently. But also he yeah. is a monster. And also his best friend appears to be a monster. So how does he pick which monsters that he's knocking off? Could there be a, a, an inroad there for Elsa to go, right, we'll only kill the bad ones? <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that is something that's kind of alluded to when early on we're told Jack has 100 kills to his name, but then when he gets into the maze and bumps into Elsa and says, like, hey, let's just keep walking, he is, whilst he's the character who apparently has killed the most monsters, when put in the opportunity where everyone, all the other monster hunters want to try and take each other out, en route to getting the Bloodstone, he is also the one who's like, I don't need to kill you all. I don't need to fight you. I don't need to. Let's just. Le-. He he's the most. I guess. Uh, considered well, considerate in the sense that he he doesn't think this is like a battle royale situation. Mm. He and of course we we know he isn't in it for the Bloodstone. He's in it for saving Ted from. Certain death, but it kind of it creates enough information about the character that the man who's killed the most monsters doesn't want to just kill anybody.
1: Yeah, it's it's very easy because the other thing is you look at him, you think because when they were going around the table, like oh yeah, we're just going to say yeah, Jack's killed like a few, and then it's like no, he's killed a hundred, and it's like really, and and I think there's something else is like when he's looking at the heads round the top of the room. Yes. And I think he said, and like he says to Jovan, like one of them, um, I fought him several times. I never, he never looked as scared as he does now, which suggests that even though he's fought this monster quite a lot, he just didn't see the need to actually kill him.
0: Yeah, I think it's the like, man bat type character. That's the one, Uh, yeah. I... There, there might be a established Marvel equivalent of Man Bat. If there is, I don't know what they're called, but hey, it's
1: not Batman. We know
0: that. <laughs> I think there's a copyright issue there. I'm just not sure what it is. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um. But yeah, I think those little details. I know there are some. There's probably more Easter eggs in the house, but I know one of the like carvings in one of the walls is. Um, the death of God, the God Butcher from Yeah Love, Love Thunder, and yeah, we see the different trophies around the room. I, do we get? I want I want to say is the Yeti, and he isn't from Alpha Fly. The
1: oh yeah
0: Sasquatch,
1: Sasquatch, yes.
0: Uh, so he's one of the heads I don't know if it's the Alpha Flight Sasquatch That seems a little bit harsh
1: She's <laughs> <laughs> a bit mean
0: Or is he Shit is he not Sasquatch is he Wendigo
1: Wendigo The Wendigo is somewhere else isn't it
0: Ah crap ah, no, oh, I... there's, there's different trophies
1: North American mythical creature Let's just go yes. with that
0: um, But I, I didn't think there was any like blatant screaming out this is a reference type things. I know other Marvel stuff has had references that like Odin's vault having the infinite gauntlet to then be yeah. like well why's he got that and uh, I can't think there's others that are referenced and I don't know if it's in Doctor Strange does he I think in the first Doctor Strange someone has this staff of one Yes. Which then doesn't make sense because the staff of one turns up in Runaways. (laughs) Which, well, that's never going to relate to the rest of the MCU, is it? (laughs) No. But I, I kind of respect that this isn't 55 minutes of Easter eggs for Supernatural Marvel because it kind of implies that maybe those things aren't as throwaway these days, and maybe there's... Now that we're getting a Elsa Bloodstone, Man-Thing, Werewolf by Night special, it kind of creates the potential that characters aren't just throwaway references in other properties, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, because I think that's the problem with a lot... It's not just Marvel, it's any big mainstream media is the tendency is to go hey it's that thing it's that thing man it's that that you know what that thing is and it's not relevant it's not even a MacGuffin. it's not relevant to the plot of that particular piece of media Mm. it's just there in the background and then like you say it'll crop up completely in a different context later on so it's like okay so it was there and now it's there right And what I like about this is it's not doing that. It's like we're not shoving references here and there because we're not about referencing the internalness of, you know, whatever Supernatural Marvel thing. We've given you some characters from Supernatural Marvel and that's, that's fine. And then we're just fiddling about with horror tropes and we're more likely to throw in some kind of weird horror trope related easter egg as we are a reference to something marvel
0: I I completely agree. I one thing I will say, I don't I don't know if this was the reference you were expecting to get in this is that in the final scene we reference the wizard of oz.
1: Yes. Somewhere <laughs> over the rainbow. I was I loved that because I was like, yes. So, spoilers, we hear somewhere over the rainbow and then it's the color starts to leach in and we see them in color because of course that's what happens in the wizard of oz yeah she's, she's black and white and then she lives in color um and i just thought that was really clever i know some reviews because i read some reviews took issue with actually turning it into color in the end i'm like what's your problem it's daytime it's gonna be color the night has passed all that took place in the night I just thought it was a really clever way of just bringing it back. And again, referencing something from that period, because at the same time you had all those horror films going on Mm. in the 1930s, you also had The Wizard of Oz and Judy Garland and Somewhere Over the Rainbow. So it's like, yeah, you know, people back then would go and see a film with, you know, they'd go and see The Wolfman or they'd go and see Dracula or Frankenstein or whatever. And then the next week, they might very well have gone to see The Wizard of Oz. So I just liked yeah. how that was also referencing the period in a weird kind of way. But it was it was a little bit blinky, like, oh my God, they actually, and they did apparently film the entire thing in colour.
0: yeah, And, and then um,
1: they changed it back to black and white, which I thought was also really nicely done.
0: Which I guess in this day and age, when you don't have to choose between filming in black and white or filming in colour, yeah, filming colour even if you wanted to be in black and white.
1: Damn, Digital's <laughs> got something overfilled now.
0: Yeah, just it's nice surely it's better to have the footage in colour just in case you need it. Yeah. Um I thought it was a good detail. I also and this is the wrestling fan in me that immediately realised what was going on. I think part of the black and white choice was Undoubtedly, so you could have blood and lots of it if as yeah. required, which is obviously a thing in Marvel. Um, no one ever really bleeds. Um, if if you do bleed, it's like not Walk it off. That perceptible, or like you're an alien and your blood's not red. And I know that's a big thing. It, uh, ever since I was a kid and they would like show WWF, WWE stuff on a Saturday morning and if somebody got cut open suddenly it was black and white and it's like oh this is legitimately yeah. a thing. You show me, I don't know, Smackdown on a Friday night and it's like rated 15 because if someone bleeds, somebody bleeds but you show it on a Saturday morning in black and white uh-huh. as a PG yeah, at best.
1: Everyone knows that, you know, if it's not red, it's not blood. It's
0: not blood. That's, that's a no. fact. Um, which I think is part of the choice. I mean, obviously the aesthetic it the aesthetic is held up by it being black and white, but there's also the benefit that then, yeah, you can have a werewolf tear someone in half, you can have man thing dissolve a man and
1: you can have Elsa that's slice all. off a guy's arm and it's yeah.
0: all fine. Um which is it's nuts that's that that's like how it's treated. Like cinema treats blood like, ah, yeah, it can be as violent as you want. If we don't see the blood because it's black and white, we don't yeah. know it's blood. Um because what's important here is that kids learned that you can't bleed and colour. I don't know, what's the
1: yeah, the only if you bleed in colour does it count?
0: Because I, I would argue that as a kid, I, I bled more as as a kid than I do as an adult. Oh yeah, absolutely. I fell over way more, had way yeah. more nosebleeds. I, I was well aware that people bleed. Doesn't doesn't matter yeah. how many. People, if someone that guy's arm still comes off,
1: yeah, <laughs> it still counts.
0: I this isn't where I thought I was going to end up today. Nah.
1: <laughs> but no, they, it does seem a little bit almost like a bit of a the kids will know, guys. The kids are gonna know.
0: But it, in terms of the aesthetic, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think the black and white works. Nice and was a little bit of a surprise. I had seen the trailer and didn't know if it was going to be one of those. It's black and white, and then becomes color quite early on. But I respect the commitment to black and white. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed this as an an hour of my life. I would gladly watch this again.
1: Same.
0: I would be quite up for more Marvel characters to be introduced in this kind of short film format, and if
1: yeah, they,
0: they come together for something bigger, I think that could be cool. Um.
1: I think what we all want, though, is a spin-off of Man, Flaming Man.
0: Yes. the ca- You've not liked... mentioned
1: Flaming Tuberman.
0: No, is it David Silverman who played Flaming Tuber?
1: Alex Silverman? Somebody Silverman. Yes.
0: Uh, I know this. It is. It's David Silverman. David, David Silverman, Silverman, who I think is a writer and producer on The Simpsons.
1: Yeah, and, but this is possibly his greatest work.
0: Possibly his finest work. Um, yeah. Yeah, he kind of plays... Is it? A, I couldn't tell if it was a tuber or is it a, is it a sousaphone that like wraps around? It is
1: actually a sousaphone. So he's listed as tuber man, but it is actually a sousaphone. It's not a tuber.
0: It's an important difference. Um,
1: but I'm guessing that Flaming Tuber Man does kind of sound better than Flaming Sousaphone Man.
0: <laughs> sousaphone is a very long yeah,
1: word. Yeah, but it's, it's not a tuber, but it's a it's very cleverly done the way that you know but then again the music as a whole because it is directed by a composer composer. yeah um it is and again that all leads into the aesthetic it is very of those films like all the Mm. musical cues it's very much what you would expect out of a 1930s classic horror film um it's just so clever. And there's whole points where they're wandering around the maze where the music does a lot of the heavy lifting of tone.
0: Yes, I, I completely agree. And I think it, there are, it's hard to describe something that's only an hour long as having portions where there isn't a lot of dialogue. But <laughs> there, there is a significant amount of scenes in the maze, maze, garden, whatever you want to call it, where people are on their own, not really interacting with each other. Um, And yeah, I think music carries quite a lot and does a lot to build tension and set the scene and all those things that you want in a kind of horror-esque kind of production. Yeah. Um, Really works, though. It's, It's just a good concept, well done.
1: It is. I would say it's one of the better films that Marvel have put out recently.
0: Um kind
1: of, yeah. I you know, I mean within its its own little world, um it yeah, it's hard because it is such a different sort of a thing for them. But I do appreciate that.
0: It it feels a lot more like low budget and stripped down. And when you look at the cast list, it's pretty short. There's not a lot of people yeah. involved in this. But I would argue, and people might not like this, but uh, you know, tweet us at bigger than capes. Um we, we won't answer, but please tweet us.
1: <laughs> tweet <laughs> us. We'll read your tweet
0: <laughs> and shake our heads disapprovingly. Um I would argue that this was a stronger introduction to three characters uh, in Elsa, Ted and Jack than like Shang-Chi was or the Eternals or... Yep. I I just think this, in a really concise way, kind of gives you characters who are somewhat substantial within marvel comics maybe they're not your biggest hitters but i think what's key to remember here is that neither were the guardians of the galaxy
1: (laughs) and look where they are now
0: uh yeah they're making cameos in thor films they
1: got it made they're up
0: there um there are characters that we see in the mcu that people see as, like, a cornerstone of Marvel that 10, 15 years ago basically nobody cared about except for, like, hardcore fans. Yeah. So now that we're... Now we're in a position where you can basically establish any Marvel character on screen and whilst, sure, some people will say, yeah, Elsa Bloodstone doesn't matter, she could be really important to how people see marvel comics iron man with all due respects until the films made it that way has never been the center of marvel comics
1: no i mean all anyone ever remembered about iron man generally was hey tony stark had that drinking problem that time
0: yes <laughs> pretty kind of yeah demon in, bo- in a bottle baby yeah um somehow i've managed to make it sound like that song nelly Furtado.
1: Yeah, Aguilera? Um, Christina Aguilera,
0: yeah. I'm a demon in a bottle, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fucking hell. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the perception of Marvel has changed significantly in the last, like, 15 years where, sure, Iron Man had a cartoon and so did the Hulk and whatever else, but they were all kind of buried beneath X-Men and Spider-Man whereas now Iron Man is the centre of the MCU, or he was for a long time. So I think with the right effort, any character has that potential to be like significant within Marvel. And I like the weird supernatural guys. So sweet. Yeah.
1: And like you said, there is more grounding with these three than a lot of the recent films that we've got because you get enough on them that you care. And more importantly, you care about them. I yes. think that's really important is you, you're like, yeah, you know, I want to see more of Elsa, Jack and, T- are they doing all right? Are they okay? I they, you know, are they in the woods? What are they doing? What are they up to? That is more, there's definitely a hook there. Like the Eternals, I was like, I don't need to see any more of these people. Are they <laughs>
0: Already seen too much.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, they're fine, but I don't care. Um, Whereas these, particularly these three, is like, I care about them. I And the fact that they've managed to do that in such a short run time is impressive. Yeah, That they've managed to get that. So I think that does show that, like you say, given the right circumstances, you can turn any Marvel character into something popular. And what I'm saying, Disney Plus, is give me my Elsa, Jack and Ted series. Call it Elsa, Jack and Ted. I don't know. Make it a sitcom. You know, by day they hang around the mansion. By night they go out and kill bad people, and the butler's all confused. I don't know. There are options here.
0: I mean, but to be fair, that sounds good. I,
1: I'd be down for that. I think there's potential here. Don't lose it. Um, but then again, if this is all we get, I've really, really enjoyed this. I will. Mm. I will likely rewatch it. I'm...
0: yeah, I, and it's it's short enough for that not to be an overwhelming commitment. And it's a a relaxed enough I think that's something that Marvel have given us this year That people um, People that I speak to and people online Seems to be struggling with Is that For the first time ever Marvel's output is like Easy Yeah And I I think people aren't used to Living in this who-gives-a-shit kind of life, which I've talked about on previous th- previous episodes for loads of things that kind of not having to care about Marvel is kind of what makes Marvel fun. If Yeah. I-, I know so many comic book people and MCU fans who are so intense about their love of the MCU that there's kind of no joy in it. I know people who saw... I don't know, like, Civil War, like, ten times in the cinema and were, like, taking people to see it because it was so important to them. But I I, I think the freedom to not care that much is... Yeah. I, I, I gave up on Moon Knight and I don't feel bad about it, but then I dip into the She-Hulk or Werewolf or whatever and think, this is just fun and easy and it doesn't stress me out. Thinking about it or Not being yeah. up to date with it It just is rewarding to watch Um And I know You know people hate She, Hulk, whatever And I know people will hate this but I think We're at a point where people Can, ex- can Well they can't accept obviously But <laughs> people Can be open to the idea that not everything In the MCU is going to be For you and that's okay Yeah, yeah. Um, you wouldn't read okay i know people who do but you you wouldn't read every single marvel comic
1: no because i think that's one of the problems that marvel comics have had particularly among certain areas of the fandom um is that you know they expect it to all be for them and it's like no it's like i read moon girl and devil dinosaur for a while because devil dinosaur put a dinosaur in a comic i will read it
0: we know all you need yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, literally on the knee, dinosaur or robot. robot. Um, but I gave up on that because I just, I wasn't enjoying it as much as I thought I would. And then I realised it's like, that wasn't for me. That wasn't for someone who's approaching middle age. That was for a little child. You know, that was for like a 10, 11 year old girl yeah. who's never come across these things before, who wants, you know, to read something like that. And that's absolutely fine. And that is the point is like all the Marvel comics are aimed at different people. It's it. And unfortunately a certain subset believe that it should all be aimed at them. And I think they have the same attitude to the MCU. Although it's sometimes it's a different section of people who believe that all of the MCU should be for them. It's like, no, it's fine. Yeah. You can choose.
0: And I, I've probably said this on another podcast, but apparently that's my thing today people need to people view marvel as like one thing when they're just a publisher and it's like yeah can you imagine if you were like oh no i read penguin books i yeah <laughs> i read all of them and it doesn't matter if it's penguin classics regular penguin the kids stuff i doesn't don't care who they're publishing books for I read all of them, and I expect it to be for me or whatever. I don't know, pick a publisher, Harper Collins, whatever you want. Yeah. But nobody. But for for some reason, with comics, people will view Marvel or you know smaller publishers to Vol or Valiant or whatever you want to pick. People will latch onto these and be like, "This whole world is for me," and. Sometimes that's not going to be the case, but if if dead drop is for you,
1: <laughs> then I've got a number of a therapist you can possibly We'll, we'll get you
0: the help that you need.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But no. In in all seriousness, the MCU shouldn't all be for everybody. That's okay. Comics. There are comics for everyone. I I believe that, but yeah, I don't think every publisher releases every book for the same audience because sorry guys but they want to make money and that's not how the world
1: works you need to appear particularly with the amount of output the marvel have i mean marvel put out in a week what some publishers will put out in a year yeah
0: it's um, it's true that when when we look for our roundup episodes there are more marvel books a week than there are like I don't know, Valiant or Vol or Mad Cave. There's Scout. Jesus, there are so many publishers who put Aftershock. out... yeah. Yeah, they just come nowhere near. They're not even putting out like 10% of Marvel's yearly output.
1: I mean, you could combine, sometimes for a week, you could combine all the indie publishers and you still would not have, except for Image, because Image do put out quite a bit, It, but yes. even so you could take all those other indie publishers other than image and shove them all together. And you would still perhaps not reach the amount that Marvel was putting out that week.
0: Definitely. I mean, we, we look at this, these lists constantly. I'm sure a lot of bored comic fans do, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I don't know. The punchline here is Werewolf by night, isn't going to be for everyone but we're quite different in a lot of ways and we both really enjoyed this.
1: We yeah, yeah.
0: Um
1: it, I had a really good time with it.
0: And it's like 55 minutes. You you've got 55 minutes to watch this thing. And e- even if you don't like this, I guarantee you know someone who will absolutely love this. Yeah. Definitely. Um I think that's pretty much everything I have to bring to the dance this week.
1: Um, yeah, same.
0: So, um, in summary, Elsa, Ted, and Jack forever. You know, let's let's get yeah.
1: let's si- get that. sitcom
0: by day, monsters by night. I
1: oh, I am yeah, I'm down with that. Disney Plus, <laughs> make it happen.
0: Yeah, um, and yeah, if we get more one shots. Or special presentations, as this was called. I think that would be cool. I would love to see more characters yeah. introduced in such a immediate and chilled out kind of way. Yeah. we to call something with this much death in it chilled out, but I stand by it.
1: It's all relative.
0: <sighs> Ain't it just? So we've been, Angela and Zach, collectively, bigger than capes. Yeah, we know. And, uh, you know keep on keeping on
1: (laughs) keep on keep on and watch out for that full moon
0: later days